Welcome back to Beyond Texas. I'm your host and storyteller, W.F. Strong. We're on our third installment on the humor of Mark Twain, and I've saved the best for last. I appreciate especially our growing international audience tuning in. I might say from every continent except Antarctica, which I hope will soon be remedied by some isolated soul who would enjoy the warmth of a Texas voice in that deep freeze at the bottom of the world. I'm going to mostly just let Twain himself talk to you today. I'm going to focus on the 70th birthday speech, which is about living life on your terms. It's funny, and there's some genuinely useful advice there for us all. I say version because the core of it will be what he said on that occasion, and some will be additions that fit things he said during those years. It's just an easy means of putting it in one place. I'm trying to keep this to about 20 minutes. Before I start, let me make this quiet internal advertisement. You can support this podcast and really any podcast you love via Patreon.com. They make it easy and safe. Just go there and search for Beyond Texas and pledge your 5 or 10 or, hell, I'm not picky, 100 bucks a month to personally underwrite this podcast. There's a lot of expenses involved here. I have to have headphones and a high-tech microphone, a computer mixer, a soundproof room, which is really challenging with a six-year-old in the house. True, I already own these things, but I also need good drinks and snacks, beer and wine for vocal maintenance, and crackers and cheese to snack on while editing. You know, these things add up. So, so I thank those of you who have already pitched in regularly to the tip jar and welcome newcomers who will help upgrade my beverages. Twain's 70th birthday was attended by all the rich and famous in New York City. It was held on December 5th, 1905, five days after his actual birthday on November 30th. 300 people were there. Bust of Twain were on every table. Andrew Carnegie was there, Willa Cather, George Eastman of Eastman Kodak. Telegrams sent from England, Arthur Conan Doyle, George Bernard Shaw, Kipling, Thomas Hardy. President Teddy Roosevelt sent a letter saying, Mark Twain is a name which has become a household word wherever the English language is spoken. He is one of the citizens whom all Americans should delight to honor, for he has rendered a great service to America, and his writings only an American could have written. In this elegant atmosphere of formerly dressed aristocrats, Twain spoke at the last of the evening. He said, Seventy. Seventy. I recognize it, but I don't realize it. When you get to be seventy, you're supposed to be able to sit up there on that seven-terraced summit and tell the rest of the world how to get up there. They all do it, you know, all these garrulous old people. They explain the process, and they dwell on the particulars with senile rapture. Now that I've reached seventy myself, I've earned the right to teach, unrebuked. I suppose I've achieved my seventy years in the usual way, by sticking strictly to a scheme of life that would kill anybody else. I have only a few simple rules I try to follow. When it comes to smoking, I have only one rule, never smoke more than one cigar at a time. Other than that, I have no restrictions. I make it a practice never to smoke when asleep and never to refrain from smoking when awake. 
I never miss a chance to smoke. I wake up three or four times a night, and I always have a cigar when I do. I came into this world asking for a light, and I shall go out of it blowing smoke rings. I don't remember exactly when I started to smoke, but I do remember my father was still alive, and I was discreet. But he died when I was eleven, and I have smoked publicly ever after as an example to others. I do it to show I am not a slave to my habits. I can stop smoking any time I want to. I know I can. I've done it a thousand times. As for drinking, I know this. When others are drinking, I like to help. It wasn't long ago that Old Crow Whiskey was going out of business. That alarmed me because that's my favorite whiskey, so I bought out their entire remaining supply. Four hundred barrels. Put them back on their feet again. My wife used to say, When you've had all the whiskey you want, why don't you just ask for sarsaparilla? I said, When I've had all the whiskey I want, I can't say sarsaparilla. Now, when it comes to eating, I've eaten only those things that disagreed with me until one or the other of us got the best of it. Oh, I have stopped frolicking with mince pie after midnight and with cabbage and beans. After that, there, there's too much risk. I've never taken any exercise except for sleeping and resting. Never understood exercise on purpose. Never saw any benefit in making myself tired. As for sleeping, I've always gone to bed and gotten up on a regular schedule. I've gone to bed when there was no one left up to talk to, and I've gotten up when I felt like it. That is made for a schedule of perfect, regular irregularity, and it has worked for me. My point here is that my habits protect my life, but they'd probably assassinate you. You gotta make up your own rules and stick to them, and that's not as easy as it sounds because there'll always be someone trying to reform you, trying to take all the pleasure right out of your life and replace it with weariness. But don't let them. After all, nothing needs reforming so much as other people's habits. I say if you cannot make 70 by a comfortable road, don't you go. One of the marvelous things about getting to be 70 is that you never again need the previous engagement plea. All you have to say is your invitation honors me and pleases me because you still keep me in your remembrance. But I am 70 and would nestle in the chimney corner and smoke my pipe and read my book and take my rest. I hope that when you reach your peer number 70, you may step aboard your waiting ship with a reconciled spirit and lay your course toward the sinking sun with a contented heart. I came into this world in 1835 with Halley's Comet. It's coming again pretty soon, and I, I hope to go out with it. The Almighty has said, no doubt here, these two indefinable freaks, they came in together, they must go out together. It will be the greatest disappointment of my life if I don't go out with Alice Comet. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. 
As a matter of fact, Twain did die when Halley's Comet returned in 1910. He was 75 years old then. Before we leave him, though, I want to share one more fantastic speech he gave in London in 1907 when he received his Oxford robes. He had sworn he would never again cross the Atlantic, but for Oxford's honorary doctorate in literature, he did. It was an honor that meant more to him than any other he received in life. Years before, when he gave his first lecture in London, he concluded with one of the most genuine acts of gratitude I've ever heard. You have to realize that he believed himself to be a ruffian, someone that the upper classes of London would not take to. But he was wrong. They loved him. He got two encores there at the Queen's Music Hall. And this is how he concluded. It is remarkable for me, a mere stranger, to come here to the great metropolis of the world and be received as handsomely as I have been. I simply thank you. His conclusion to his acceptance of his Oxford honors was better than that for graciousness. He wrapped it all in a story which has a kind of elegance you don't hear today. Audiences are not, I think, willing to be patient enough to get through the story to fully appreciate the metaphor and its complexity. Here's what he said. Many years ago, there was a presumptuous little self-important skipper in a coasting sloop engaged in the dried apple and kitchen furniture trade, and he was always hailing every ship that came in sight. He did it just to hear himself talk and to air his small grandeur. One day, a majestic Indiaman schooner came plowing the seas, with course on course of canvas towering into the sky her decks and yards swarming with sailors, with a rich freightage of precious spices, lading the breezes with mysteries of the odors of the Orient. It was a noble spectacle, a sublime spectacle. Of course, the little skipper popped up into the crow's nest, and he squeaked out a hail. He said, "'Ship ahoy! What ship is that, and whence and whither dost thou go?' and in a deep and thunderous bass the answer came back through the speaking trumpet, said, The Begum of Bingal, a hundred and forty-two days out from Canton, homeward bound. What ship is that? Well, it just crushed that poor little creature's vanity flat, and he squeaked back most humbly, Only the Marianne, fourteen hours out from Boston— bound for Kittery Point with uh, nothing to speak of. Oh, what an eloquent word that only to express the depths of his humbleness. This is just my case. During just one hour in the twenty-four, not more, I pause and reflect in the stillness of the night with the echoes of your English welcomes still lingering in my ears, and then I am humble. Then I am properly meek, and for that little while I am only the Marianne, fourteen hours out, cargoed with vegetables and tinware. But during all the other twenty-three hours my vain self-complacency rides high on the white crests of your approval, 
and then I am a stately Indiaman schooner, plowing the great seas under a cloud of canvas, and laden with the kindest words that have ever been said to any wandering alien in this world. I think then my twenty-six fortunate days on this old mother's soil seem to be multiplied by six, and I am the Begum of Bengal, a hundred and forty-two days out from Canton, homeward bound. Isn't that wonderful? Well, if you would like to read all about Twain's lectures, there is a wonderful book published in 1968 that received all kinds of literary and historical awards, and it is called The Trouble Begins at Eight. It is a story of Mark Twain's lectures by Fred W. Lorch, and it is just a marvelous read if you happen to be interested in this kind of subject and would like to dig into it still deeper. Well, that completes our third episode on Mark Twain. Next week, on to something new. <music>